social sciences uh research methodology for social sciences and social sciences in general uh based on uh, vedic philosophy uh, vedic foundations uh, and all that in this series uh, we are focusing more on uh, humanities also and uh, in this uh, uh, what is humanities uh, what is generally uh, called as humanities and uh, what are called as social sciences and all that also we need to discuss and uh, let me uh, share uh, a screen are you able to see the screen yeah yes yes okay uh now uh let us see what is called as humanities this for most of those of you who are uh, familiar with the university system you already know uh, what we mean by humanities but for those who are not familiar with this system let me uh, just give you an overview uh, broad overview of uh, these disciplines as uh, all of you know nagarji this uh, system could you adjust your uh, camera to show more of your face it's uh, okay. yes that's better thank you sorry yeah, yeah. okay so uh, most of you know that the university system uh, when it started in the beginning almost all the academic disciplines uh, used to be called as arts and uh, those were the days when even there were courses like ba chemistry bachelor of arts in chemistry and uh, master of arts in physics uh, where science courses what we today call as uh, basic sciences art sciences even uh, courses in those disciplines were also called as courses in arts and gradually we came to a stage where where people started dividing arts and sciences and physics chemistry botany zoology all such sciences got classified under uh, sciences basic sciences and uh, you have arts uh and even today if you see uh, most of the universities there is a school of arts or faculty of arts or they call it as arts college within that you have uh, you don't have physics chemistry botany zoology kind of courses now uh, there is a very clear bifurcation between arts and sciences where by classifying certain academic disciplines under arts the university system is telling you that they are not sciences basically by classifying them under arts they are telling you that they are not sciences and when you go to that college school of arts or faculty of arts or arts college what you see is a certain number of disciplines uh 
these disciplines for example are uh, social sciences and our arts you have social sciences and in some colleges even these disciplines which come under social sciences are classified under arts only for example you you see economics political science sociology anthropology which is called ethnology in east european countries uh, they use the word ethnology for anthropology and uh, you have uh, within anthropology within, within ethnology you have physical anthropology and the other one is cultural which is also called as social anthropology and you have disciplines like linguistics psychology commerce all these are classified under social sciences and those also usually come under arts only but you have a new classification uh, recent classification under arts itself as humanities and when you are calling them humanities you are uh, very clearly saying that they are not sciences that is what you are saying when you uh, classify them under humanities and very clearly you are saying you are classifying them under humanities because they don't come under social sciences so social sciences are sciences but you did not call them sciences you did not classify them under physics chemistry botany zoology kind of sciences which means that they are not perfect sciences perfect sciences are physics chemistry botany zoology kind of sciences only life sciences and uh, sciences of uh, sciences like physics and chemistry you have social sciences which uh, we have seen earlier economics political science all these uh, uh, disciplines which are nowadays being called as social sciences where by adding that uh, prefix social you are saying that they are sciences but not sciences but they they are somewhat sciences somewhat not sciences uh, they are not as perfect sciences as uh, physics chemistry botany zoology uh, etc so you you have uh, the midway sciences like social sciences which are today in some colleges called as arts and what are these humanities if you go to your university what you see under humanities is uh, there are they call it a department of english literature a department of uh, tamil literature department of uh, sanskrit literature uh, in the western universities you have department of classics department of classical literatures uh, which cover greek latin kind of uh, literatures and one department called philosophy philosophy that comes under humanities there are certain uh, disciplines which are always controversial uh, in their classification in the taxonomy of whether they have to go into humanities or social sciences those are history kind of things if you uh, come to this list if you see you are able to see that under philosophy later to philosophy you have history history if you talk to a history uh, scholar history professor history teacher he never agrees that he comes under uh, non sciences he, he comes under sciences only according to him but uh, universities uh, hardly uh, put history under social sciences they put it under humanities sometimes under social sciences and uh, archaeology epigraphy all these fields uh, they go 
alongside history and uh, each of these archaeology if you talk to an archaeologist he says uh, mine is a science but uh, people hesitate to classify archaeology under sciences and we have another set of uh, uh, fields under what is called as fine arts if you go to a university there is a department of fine arts and under fine arts you have uh, departments of music dance sculpture theater film and television which uh, is sometimes classified under media uh, department and the communication department and so on all these are classified under uh, fine arts and uh, according to the science classification fine arts are not sciences at all uh, fine arts departments are not dealing with sciences at all because they are teaching entertaining skills so they are teaching some skills uh, in my experience of working in uh, universities uh, i have observed that the faculty and the students of these fine arts departments themselves also have a feeling that their work their academic work their uh, study inside the university also is in the form of learning skills and teaching skills uh, learning dance teaching dance learning music teaching music but all this so called uh, research uh, analysis and all that it's not my cup of tea is the usual feeling there so they're all uh, they think they think that they are there for practical work uh, teaching performance and all that and uh, it goes very well with the perception about fine arts departments from the other departments like humanities departments like english literature department or political science department or physics department if you talk to a physics department person about the fine arts department like music department or dance department also their view about fine arts departments like music and dance also is that they are not sciences they because they are there only to perform and teach how to perform learn how to perform uh, a certain entertaining uh, activity and all that but if you come to uh, indian divisions what you see in the indian uh, uh, system is if you go to fine arts you have sangeeta shastra it is called shastra if you go to dance you have natya shastra it is called shastra if you are talking of uh, sculpture architecture uh, idol making you have sciences like sthapatya shastra vastu shastra shilpa shastra vigraha nirmana shastra rupaka shastra uh, alankara shastra all these belong to fine arts so you uh, are in the vedic system in the indian system in the pre modern ancient indian medieval indian uh, academics there was always a shastra about an art fine art particularly i am talking about fine arts and if you come to humanities for example you have english literature department or the tamil literature department you go to any regional uh, indian literature department in india in the course you have alankara shastra they in, 
they include alankara shastra as part of sanskrit literature department or kannada uh, literature department or malayalam literature department tamil telugu literature department hindi literature department they include alankara shastra so there is a shastra there and if you go to english literature department it is not so in english literature department there is no course which is called a science of something if you go to english literature department you have uh, for example the, the the most of the english literature departments before the whole cultural studies movement uh, uh, started uh, overwhelming the english literature departments all over the world the proper literature studies when uh, they, they used to take place in english literature departments the majority of the literature study was in the form of study of literary criticism literary criticism was uh, the field and this literary criticism was, uh, was considered to be both a science and activity uh, you are a critic when you are a critic you are critiquing you are uh, writing literary criticism it's an activity but there is a uh, theory behind it there is a science behind it uh, there was for example ia richards uh, who is considered to be one of the uh stalwart figures of english literary criticism he wrote, writes a book called meaning of meaning and one of the powerful arguments he comes up with is that literary criticism is a science there, there is a claim that literary criticism is a science but uh, it's not included under some science what literary criticism has in its background is what is called as poetics this word poetics comes from the greek word poetics that was used by aristotle uh, and uh, by the time of aristotle and it has got uh, uh, that kind of a tradition greek uh, tradition and whether poetics was a science or not was not very clear whereas in the case of alankara shastra you have a very clear word called shastra it is called shastra and uh, the uh the field called poetics that you had in uh, greek literature is included in uh, english literature departments unfortunately what happened is when uh, the regional literature departments in india started uh, they started calling alankara shastra as poetics a, a field which was already claiming itself to be a shastra was being compared to or translated into a field which was not confident enough to call itself a Uh, science and they started feeling inferior that okay all that we have is just some alankara shastra but we didn't we do not have literary criticism that is a wonderful uh, field that is coming from uh, uh, the western uh, study of literature and all that and they thought uh, they they started downplaying the uh, powerful uh, nature shastrik nature of alankara shastra by putting it under in a hierarchy under a literary criticism of the of the west that is how the shastrik nature of alankara shastra uh, got downplayed and got uh, relegated and uh, in the case of uh, social sciences also if you come to uh, social sciences also you see we have artha shastra it is calling itself as shastra you have neeti shastra it is calling itself as shastra 
and you have uh, dharma shastra it is calling itself as shastra and uh, in in the fields that are called as humanities for example study of literature if you come to this uh, column under humanities all, apart from rupaka shastra and alankara shastra you have chandas shastra you have an entire shastra for studying the meters uh, in which uh, poems are composed and you have vyakarana shastra uh, which is a shastra uh, for grammar for the analysis of uh, a language you have darshanas uh, which actually we have mentioned darshanas here because under humanities uh, in the present university system what you have is philosophy under philosophy you you study things which come under darshanas for example if you go to a present university philosophy department you have am i able to hear something no go ahead go ahead yes. yeah yeah uh, philosophy under philosophy department we have something called logic and this uh, field uh, logic is studied under darshanas as a nyaya darshana for us and uh, you have uh, hermeneutics which is studied under philosophy department in the present university system which is studied under mimamsa as one of the darshanas for us and uh, you have uh, application of nyaya uh, to vaisheshika so that becomes vaisheshika darshana and uh, what is studied under uh, various other uh, areas like for example what is studied under ethics social philosophy in the philosophy department comes under dharma the discussion of dharma and dharma shastra so there again you have a claim that this is a shastra the dharma uh, study of dharma is a shastra so what uh, uh, we are going to uh, show throughout this series of uh, talks uh, in this present series is that uh, there is one tradition that is already considering some knowledge areas as shastra and the same knowledge areas in the present university system in the present contemporary uh, university academics is not being called as shastras uh, with a low self esteem uh, these fields like humanities fine arts uh, and social sciences also have that low self esteem when they compare themselves to the perfect sciences the uh, physics chemistry botany zoology which claim themselves to be perfect sciences always these social sciences look up to those perfect sciences and uh, try to uh, see how much of that nature of that perfect science for example how much of mathematical nature how much of quantitative analysis how how much of uh, logical positivism how much of experimentation how much of uh, replicability how much of predictability uh, all these features of the perfect sciences are there in themselves and then to that extent they say uh, okay i am a science because uh, i have the same feature of replicability uh, i am a science because uh, i am able to experiment it i am uh, i am a science because i have the same uh, uh, empirical nature logical positive nature uh, and everything so the measures of uh, scientific nature 
of a discipline are all borrowed from the perfect sciences, the basic sciences, and social sciences uh, either have a, 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 a low self-esteem or ranking of themselves under sciences on the basis of how much of those uh, qualities of perfect sciences are there in social sciences or not. Whereas in this system of uh, Shastra, you, uh, you have a, uh, the, a word Shastra, which does not uh, come from uh, the measures that are there for, for perfect sciences. If the, a Shastra is not called a Shastra uh, because uh, it has got mathematical nature or it has got quantification or it has got measurability or uh, all these features. But nevertheless, there are uh, commonalities of uh, uh, rigor, uh, logical analysis, uh, rigorous uh, uh, argumentation, uh, rigorous uh, abstraction of uh, reality into categories and observing the relationships between these entities in a very logical fashion. All the features that uh, you see in sciences, such features of sciences are there in Shastra also. And Shastra, uh, is not something Shastra is not claiming itself to be uh, just an art uh, which is an entertaining skill or something like that. You, you when you see a Shastra, the Shastra's Shastric nature is in its uh, rigorousness, rationality, logical uh, nature, perfect oh. argumentation, and uh, analysis, interpretation of uh, facts of reality into a highly systematic uh, study of things. So based on that, based on the exactness, nowadays actually at IIIT Hyderabad, uh, when they wanted to uh, start uh, Indic-based humanities, uh, Vedic foundation-based humanities, they use the word exact humanities. I think this has been used in some Western universities also, the word exact humanities. So that exactness uh, is there in Shastra. So that, uh, that exactness, that rigor, that uh, Shastric nature that you have uh, in the uh, traditional uh, Vedic foundations, in the Indic foundations, if, uh, uh, that can be provided to uh, the present humanities all over the world. Uh, our confidence is that humanities will start losing the low self-esteem that they have today. Basically, uh, they start losing the feeling that they have to be classified under uh, humanities because they are not sciences. So what uh, these series of talks is trying to uh, show with examples, with uh, proof, with evidence, is that the knowledge areas which are being covered under humanities, like the study of literature, philosophy, all these areas uh, need not 
look up to sciences need not look up to those perfect sciences and say that okay you guys are science people we are not we are not logical people we are not rigorous people we are some guys uh, who sit somewhere uh, studying literature talking about poetry enjoying poetry uh, and all that okay you guys uh, be in your own scientific thinking uh, we have no scientific thinking at all we are not bothered about that or sometimes measuring up uh, like i a richards uh, does in literary criticism uh, claiming that oh no 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 i am a science also i have some scientific nature i am trying to be a science and all that this inferiority uh, this low self esteem would go definitely once we show on the basis of how the same knowledge areas have been uh, studied in a shastric way uh, for example theater how theater how drama how a play has been rigorously studied for example the plot of uh, theater plot of drama how through panchasandhi analysis uh, in rupaka shastra uh what a rigorous analysis of plot has been done in a very shastric way on the basis of shastric foundations how it has been done and all such material that we have from rupaka shastra how the taxonomy the classification of rupakas uh classification of characters prakritis uh in a rupaka and uh, what are the stage performance uh, Uh, aspects uh, practical aspects of stage performance how in a very shastric way they have been analyzed everything that if we can bring into uh, the departments of literature and uh, provide it as a global offer to the entire global world that there is a, a shastra that has been uh, developed in a particular uh, subcontinent uh, on the globe where the same topic that you are also studying in say south america or north america or africa or uh, japan or china the, uh, the same knowledge areas have been studied in a very uh, rigorously logical scientific systematic abstracted way if we can show i think it will benefit them it will benefit basically in the form of gaining a confidence and also there are practical benefits out of that uh, kind of a rigorous analysis uh, one kind of practical benefit i would show for example for uh, literature uh, analysis or alankara shastra is the experiment we did recently uh, at mit school of vedic sciences uh, we conducted uh, workshops on the modeling of uh, the shastras uh, based on the uh, aesthetic shastras Uh, aesthetic related shastras how to model uh, for example you in a way useful for computers uh, how artificial intelligence uh, activities can be done how for example sentiment analysis uh, can be done and how aesthetic uh, communication can be generated through uh, a machine uh all these experiments are going on uh, all over the world today uh, in a computer uh, centric world today uh, but they are looking for solutions and we thought uh, those solutions are already available in the sciences of aesthetics shastras of uh, 
beauty shastras of bliss ananda in uh, the indian system and uh, for, there is another uh, application example uh, design for example uh, i taught uh, uh, design aesthetics based on the vedic uh, foundations uh, where we are able to see how uh, why a certain design uh, uh, is accepted as more beautiful or not the reasons can be found from uh, alankara shastra how rigorously alankara shastra provides categories and methods and uh, tools for uh, analysis of aesthetics of design uh, also we have uh, shown uh, through that kind of a course many many such applications actually uh, the whole series of talks uh, started during our recent discussions about uh, governance for example uh, we were talking about uh, uh, how governance has been discussed in uh, the indic system and during that time we were talking about uh, uh, governance uh, not just as uh, a part of state a part of uh, public sector governance as a part of private sector also governance is a very general concept and uh, how uh, the discussions of governance be can be benefited from uh, the shastra that we have for example artha shastra not just the articulated artha shastra in the form of uh, kautilya's uh, chanakya's uh, book of artha shastra you have an entire uh, artha shastra that uh, uh, comes from uh, epics like ramayana mahabharata uh, and there are uh, shastric works that have been compiled based on such uh, itihasa purana discussions and uh, one more thing i would like to add is that today because we are now sitting we, we are uh, uh, just uh, walking a little backward and uh, we are looking behind and we are able to see that this whole field this uh, governance or law and ethics environmentalism beauty and bliss uh, these areas that uh, we are able to see they probably uh, were not called with those names in the uh, ancient systems for example even in uh, greece uh, did we have a field called governance i don't think we had uh, in the same way uh, in the indian system also in the ancient indian in the vedic system also we might not have uh, demarcated or delineated a field called uh, governance uh, with that name and the connections among these various shastras that we were talking about uh, uh, also probably were not so very clearly established for example uh, while teaching artha shastra uh, or studying a book of artha shastra of kautilya probably how artha shastra's foundations are lying in a particular darshana uh, they are lying in a uh, darshana like mimamsa or vedanta or uh, how dharma is connected to uh, vedanta uh the concepts of uh, concepts borrowed from vedanta like brahman 
or uh, liberation uh, or self all these concepts uh, that probably was not properly spelled out and probably that kind of a um, exercise was not done and people probably did not come up with such books also the, we we do not have a book like uh, the uh, vedantic foundations of arthashastra or something like that or uh, self analysis for arthashastra and all that it is for us to do now the these series of talks and even the whole uh, endeavor later to these talks also is meant to uh, meant to bring that kind of analysis when we do governance analysis we are not limiting ourselves to the analysis of governance from arthashastra alone or from an itihasa like ramayana or mahabharata alone we are intending to connect the principles of governance right from the concepts of dharma right, right from the concepts of brahman and uh, atman that is self and connected to vedanta and see how uh, the analysis of governance can be benefited from there for example uh, today in a political science department you have people who are interested in an environmentalist approach to governance environmentalist approach to state how state can be an environmentally friendly state and all that but i don't see a conventional political science department having a course on environmentalist politics a separate course on environmentalist uh, political science whereas uh, here in this series of talks we are going to show how dharma the concept of dharma is essentially environmentalist i am going to show you uh, through my analysis uh, and that concept of dharma is essentially part of the governance analysis that is for example raja dharma when you talk of raja dharma that is uh, we can uh, translate it as a state ethics uh, governance ethics uh, there because dharma is already essentially environmentalist even governance is an environmentalist concept that kind of con uh, uh, inherent already established already existing connections between environmentalism and governance we would like to bring out through these uh, series of talks on the vedic foundations of these fields and if you go to uh, uh, say environmentalism uh, also what, what we have, we have used the word environmentalism here ism as a as an ideological stance but what you have is today in the university system a field called environmental studies that that field is called environmental studies and this environmental studies has uh, two uh, different origins mostly the environmental studies departments come from uh, botany there they use the word ecology uh, or you have another environmental studies departments uh, which have origins in geography departments but uh, gradually uh, these departments went into industrial environmental studies uh, that is environmental chemistry uh, environmental uh, engineering uh, all these words have 
been coined and you have as part of engineering colleges for example jawaharlal nehru technological university has got a very big full fledged environmental engineering department uh, you have uh, environmental chemistry courses all over the world now so these are these are environmental studies departments but uh, whether these departments are ideologically uh, oriented towards uh, environmentalism or not is not very clear though every environmental studies department whether it is environmental engineering environmental chemistry or environmental studies from geography or ecology from botany uh, they all have uh, a self image about themselves that ideologically they are environmentalistically oriented uh, but how far are they really environmentalistically oriented uh comes out only when you go into the philosophical foundations on which their study is based and such philosophical foundations how much very well articulated they are already in the vedic system uh of environmental approach will be brought out to, through these uh, series of talks uh where we will show that uh, the essentially Uh, the foundations of uh, approach to nature approach to humans approach to animals approach to reality uh, in india was ideologically environmentalistically eco friendly oriented uh, approach it was and that way we can once that is established we can take it into any other aspect of uh, environmental studies that is happening in the university system both at the professional courses and the academic uh, courses in the university system so uh, again if you come to fields like law and ethics uh, I, i think most of you know for those who do not know i would like to tell you that in ancient greece uh, ethics and aesthetics were considered to be uh, two different uh, hands of the same entity they were considered to be two most important aspects of philosophy and approach uh, and because you, you are able to see that they have been separated ethics and aesthetics have been separated as two arms uh, uh, they, you are able to see that they are not connected there but if you see in the vedic system uh, the foundations of ethics and the foundations of aesthetics both come from uh, the foundations say for example of uh, taittiriya upanishads uh, ananda concept uh, can be a basis for both ethics and aesthetics uh, for example one of the foundational ideas of ethics is uh, empathy and one of the fo foundational ideas of aesthetics also is empathy empathy atmavat sarvabhutani uh, look at all the creatures as self as yourself or as one's own self this atmavat sarvabhutani kind of empathetic attitude uh, is the foundation say for example within vedic aesthetics uh, even those uh, of the western uh, scholars of indic culture uh, who are not so favorable towards uh, indic culture agree that one of the greatest contributions of uh, indic uh, knowledge systems 
to the whole world to the whole global world today is the concept of rasa that very word rasa it does not exist it is an untranslatable it's a beautiful concept there is no equivalent concept in any aesthetics of the world they have agreed even those anti indic uh, uh, indologists or uh, those who are not so favorable to uh, the foundations of vedic uh, knowledge and all that even they agree that rasa is a beautiful concept and that rasa concept has got empathy as its basis uh, empathy of the audience with the character is the foundation of rasa and what is the basis of ethics also what is the basis of uh, dharma also the dharmic behavior also is based on empathy so if you look at such connections you would be able to realize that these fields that are apparently from uh, the uh, superficial observation you would think that ethics and aesthetics are two different fields you are talking about good or bad you are talking about right or wrong you are uh, but you are not talking about something beautiful ugly and all that so they are two different fields but if you uh, look at the vedic foundations if you look at the indic foundations you are able to see that they are very well connected uh, inside uh, uh, through a certain philosophical uh, approach through a certain uh, inward contemplative uh, introspective approach uh, of uh, personality study and all that talking of personality study again we come to this uh, field here you are able to see human behavior and personality as one of the fields that we are intending to cover that comes under psychology today and uh, you have say for example in a contemporary political science department in a in any university uh, do we have a psychology course as part of uh, political science course i don't think what happened as a later development inside the political science departments is these uh, uh, departments uh, political science departments started uh, study of public administration the woodrow wilson they quote from uh, united states <coughs> as the beginner of uh, uh, such kind of study and if you go to public administration as an academic discipline there you have uh, organizational behavior and all these which come under management also as uh, one of the professional fields and under organizational behavior you have uh, what is called as psychology so uh, gradually you are able to see that a political science department through public administration as part of organizational behavior which is part of public administration is getting into psychology but if you look at indic systems if you look at the vedic systems you are able to see that uh, the same foundations of uh, say how human actions are motivated by panchakosha system the uh, different uh, koshas like anandamaya kosha uh, as the foundation and the outermost kosha anandamaya kosha how they are all connected you are able to see that the same foundation is guiding all the human actions including the dharma action law and governance and aesthetics everything is coming from such uh, basic foundations 
so what you have in psychology is uh, uh, vedic psychology if you call it or indic psychology if you call it is uh, there in all the other fields also governance law ethics and all that when we are able to see that these uh, knowledge areas are so uh, interwoven as a network uh, with some philosophical common philosophical foundations in the vedic system we are able to uh, i think go to a certain development in the present university system what is called as interdisciplinarity and multidisciplinarity all the conventional disciplinary boundaries that uh, we are able to see in the form of arts arts and sciences that is why we, we were using the word conventional divisions uh, fine arts humanities social sciences and within that economics uh, anthropology all these are gradually fading out uh no longer are uh, people interested in a, say a certain anthropology department or political science department as a uh, watertight compartment uh, you have uh, centers now mostly there are centers uh, center for uh, say knowledge management uh, there is a center for knowledge management there is a center for uh, wellness Uh, studies center for gender studies uh, uh, center for social inclusion uh, studies something like that so uh, you are able to locate problem areas uh, researchable problem areas and uh, for these areas multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary studies are emerging and that is the fashion of the day today this conventional uh, departmentalization or compartmentalization of uh, knowledge areas is no longer fashionable the reason is because essentially these knowledge areas have got those foundational connections but that is not coming out through these interdisciplinary uh, centers that are being established in the university system all these uh, interdisciplinary centers that are being established in the university the contemporary university system they are emerging from the problem area uh, the problem area is what is connecting these various conventional departments into one interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary center inside the university system but it is not the realization of the university academics that there are some foundational connections among all these uh, disciplines that are compelling such an interdisciplinary Uh, approach or interdisciplinarity or multidisciplinarity that is bringing them all together so that kind of uh, uh, knowledge area identification for example we are identifying uh, areas like uh, <coughs> creativity for example creativity is the area that is useful for fine arts departments okay people agree uh, no one doubts uh, that it is useful but in english literature departments uh, how many people talk about creating poets do english literature departments create poets english poets telugu literature department tamil literature marathi literature departments do they create poets no the usual traditional conventional approach to any literature department is that you are creating analy analyzing scholars criticizing scholars that is critiquing scholars uh, but not uh, creative people 
whereas uh, indic approach uh, was that alankara shastra can be useful for analyzing a kavya at the same time uh, alankara shastra can be made into a kavishiksha grantha you you can create uh, uh, a kavishiksha uh, kavishikshana uh, through a kavishiksha grantha that kind of approach of uh, creativity being created through an uh, uh, english literature department or regional literature department that comes out from this approach so uh, for this what has to happen is that creativity has to be identified as an academic problem area and once you identify creativity as an academic problem area at uh, this uh, rashtram university that is established uh, by one of our indic friends uh, uh, shobhit mathur ji and these people at uh, delhi they wanted to start a course on creativity uh because the question of creativity is uh, the aspect of creativity is useful for running a state for running a government department for uh, being a, a, a creative leader uh, of uh, public affairs or uh, you can be a creative manager you can be a creative corporate uh, leader you can creativity is an area which is useful for so many uh, different fields not limited to music dance uh, drawing painting sculpting and all that so this realization has already come universities are al already recognizing but how much uh, indic foundations vedic foundations can revolutionize can offer a breakthrough uh, contribution to uh, the development of creativity to giving creativity to not only humans even to the machines uh, or from that kind of a rigor that can be given to machines uh, how much that can benefit even human beings all such foundations of uh, uh, understanding of creativity how creativity emerges uh, uh, how uh, the indic foundations of uh, uh, knowledge have uh, found secrets of uh, uh analyzing creativity and creating creativity all this that has to be identified what we are trying to do is that uh, this kind of identification of these knowledge areas a new taxonomy a new taxonomy of uh, what they call interdisciplinary interdisciplinary because already disciplinary bifurcations disciplinary contours all these disciplinary boundaries have been drawn by them conventionally for several hundred years uh, right from the foundation of uh, universities in the europe uh, they they have already created disciplines so the knowledge areas uh, uh, they when they want to approach they think that now they are doing interdisciplinary they are thinking that they are doing multidisciplinary okay uh, you have to approach the audience from their known to their unknown their known is their conventional disciplines their unknown is their problem area the knowledge area and to that known to unknown what you are doing is from the conventional disciplines you are going to that interdisciplinarity what they call uh, interdisciplinarity so let us say creativity is an interdisciplinary knowledge area in interdisciplinary discipline interdisciplinary field and uh, language also is a it's it's a communication 
language is a communication but gradually the one beautiful thing i would like to share with all of you is that gradually their pursuit of knowledge itself in the contemporary university system it is bringing the uh, present academics contemporary academics closer and closer to the indic systems the vedic systems A an example i will give you in the case of language and linguistics the let us take the word vyakarana which is uh, the which is translated as grammar uh, in english if you go to the origin of the word grammar it comes from the root greek uh, root called graphein which means writing and the word grammar was uh, uh, used as part of as part of the name of a book a greek grammar called technic grammatica and that book technic grammatica uh, the name of the book if you translate it is telling you technique of writing if you uh, translate that word so all the grammars originally in the western world in the european world and uh, other western countries they began with the techniques of writing how to write but if you look at the word vyakarana the uh, word vyakarana comes from the root kri uh, in sanskrit and the root kri means do and you have uh, two prefixes v and a v plus a plus kri vyakri vyakri means uh, uh, to split an entity into different parts vyakriyante vivichya pradarshyante anena padaha iti vyakaranam uh is the definition that uh, patanjali uh, gives in mahabhashya so this uh, vivichya pradarshanam uh, of uh, the words vivichya is uh, separate uh, to make into parts uh, vivichya is kvartaka uh, so uh, after uh, splitting uh, a word into its parts you are pradarshante so you are showing it the word so you already have an entity called uh, pada shabda word and you are analyzing it and showing so language study for vyakarana was analyzing an entity into parts whereas grammar was the techniques of writing but if you see the history of uh, grammar in the western world after grammars through philology of the early 19th century through uh, people like franz boas or prims brothers and all these gradually the whole world has uh, come close to uh, what is called as linguistics what does linguistics do it does the same thing yakriyante vivichya pradarshante anena shabda so from grammar they came to vyakarana through linguistics so this kind of uh, analysis of uh, language which is already done in the uh, uh, vedic system in the sanskrit system if you look at bhartraris uh, for example vakyapadiyam and all the artika granthas that came uh, in the tradition of uh, vakyapadiyam like vyakarana lagu manjusha and bhushana sara all these books there is a universal uh linguistic analysis provided there and one more thing is that uh, uh today uh, language analysis has expanded into communication analysis in communication analysis people use words like uh, 
signifier and signified instead of word and meaning word becomes signifier and meaning becomes uh, signified so the words signifier and signified uh, expand the scope of language analysis into a broader communication analysis for example if there is a gesture gesture is the signifier and the meaning communicated through the gesture is the signified and the signifier signified analysis uh, tra is traced back to sasur ferdinand sasur who in his book brought long and parole and if you see the roots of uh, sasur uh, his roots are in bhartrari his roots are in vakyapadiyam he was a very good sanskrit scholar and uh, his uh, uh, book on language which uh, is considered to have revolutionized uh, the signification analysis through the ideas of long and parole and later influenced people like noam chomsky and all this the they have uh, that kind of a vedic uh, foundation what today we are able to see is that they have not explored enough of uh, the use of uh, language analysis that that is done in the artika granthas like vakya padiyam bhartrahari and all that if enough analysis if further analysis of that is done it is going to benefit for example Uh, today people are able to realize that bhartrari's concept of sporta is useful for film studies film institutes are teaching sporta and uh, it is how it is useful for all fine arts analysis all creativity analysis whether it is uh, creativity of uh, public leadership or corporate leadership or wherever how sporta analysis how the approach of communication how the approach of language is uh, so uh, broadly applicable to various uh, human fields is gradually being realized and people are able to come to that and uh, we are here to show you how uh, there are so many unexplored areas within uh this language analysis which is not limited to vyakarana uh, let me tell you uh, mimamsa nyaya and other darshanas also are engaged in language analysis in a very big way they have shabda bodha and uh, the cognition shabda bodha is all about cognition and uh, how that kind of cognition analysis is useful for uh, other fine arts also and uh, as a basic methodology of uh, human analysis Uh, basic methodology of uh, human studies how it is useful the all such inner connections foundational connections can be made once we realize that these are knowledge areas which uh, have already been interconnected in their foundations we did not realize and our conventional contouring uh, of disciplines academic disciplines uh, uh, was what was wrong uh, it was uh, not the fault of uh the disciplines it was uh, the fault of disciplining uh by the early academicians of uh, universities that have happened so that we are going to show and coming to areas like history today all over the world there is a realization that uh, uh history uh, as the history is no longer valid people talk about histories uh, multiple approaches to history and uh, when you talk of subaltern history for example subaltern historiography uh, you are talking of oral histories and you are saying that uh, oral histories presented by people from a very postmodern kind of approach are 
multiple perspectives of the same happenings so uh, there is no question of uh, uh, one history that uh, that has to be accepted and once you agree that uh, there are multiple histories possible then there is no question of uh, saying that uh, this is not history at all this is not historically valid uh, this is very similar to this is not scientific uh, kind of thing uh, so uh, you you have an account of the past uh, in a particular community in a particular way and you say that uh, no no this is uh, pauranika this is uh, mythological this is not historically valid it is no longer valid because you now know that there, there is no da history there are histories uh, as plural and uh, also uh, there are even deeper questions of uh, linear time and cyclic time and looking at the past through a cyclic time approach and linear time approach and uh, uh, within time also there is a uh, just as you have a landscape which is a physical geographical landscape as different from the inner world landscape of archetypes uh, and there is a travel in inner contemplative world travel and uh, that being articulated through literature uh, inner world entities being articulated through literature archetypal entities being articulated through literature now people talk about it people very well know after jung and joseph campbell and cantian uh, 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 Rom german romanticist philosophical understanding and all that you know uh, uh, very clearly through northrop fry and all these people how the inner world landscape and the travel inside the contemplative inner world landscape is being articulated as though it is a geographical landscape in an analogy we can talk about the inner time also there is an inner time and there is an inner time travel and that inner time travel is being articulated through certain kind of uh, uh, accounts of the past or something which looks like the account of the past that account of the past is probably not the uh, known past of the known time but there is a time of the inner world there is a time of the contemplative world and how that can be accounted all these things gradually are coming out and the uh, foundations of this are available in the shastra uh, approach of uh, uh, indic uh, sciences and when you come to uh, things like uh, anthropology or sociology uh, or all these fields also what do what do anthropologists do anthropologists for example uh, are known to study rituals rituals of uh, the uh, various tribal communities uh, what whom people call tribal uh, communities or even uh, much worse words are there primitive uh, communities and all these uh, things are studied and uh, we uh, indological scholars the sanskritists when they approached india they realized that the concept of ritual in the name of karma analysis Uh, various karmas and kratus and kalpa shastra and all that a very vigorous study of rituals is already available here i heard from some highly respectable indologists of the west uh, they asked me why you 
from india are so well equipped from your study of uh, kratu shastra kalpa shastra and all this you are not contributing to world anthropology why you are not contributing to global anthropology the benefits of your uh, millennia old study of rituals in such a rigorous way uh, you have potential to contribute why you people are not contributing why you are not coming up with the uh, ritual studies and uh, let me tell you uh, that ritual studies is not all about going to temple breaking coconuts uh, and all that you have uh, what are called as secular rituals also all our life is basically ritualized so uh, ritual studies can be so broad based and so uh, application oriented studies that we can analyze all uh, behavior including corporate behavior government behavior political behavior actions many actions as rituals and for all such ritual analysis even for the study of secular rituals uh, the ritual studies uh, rigor the ritual studies methodology that has already been provided in the vedic foundations can be brought in for use what do anthropologists do apart from ritual studies they study the myths and mythologies of the uh what uh, the evolutionist uh, western anthropology has uh, using a bad word they call them primitive savage uh, people uh, their myths and mythologies have been studied in a very vigorous way uh, myth ritual relationship uh, rituals as reenactments of myths and all such approaches have been there and uh, my phd is on this topic of uh, how vedic foundations uh, can revolutionize myth studies and myth ritual studies uh, from the vedic foundations we can give uh, uh, so many uh, concepts such a basic foundation that is already not existing today in the uh, existing myth ritual studies of anthropology how from vedic studies uh, vedic approach vedic foundations we can take it we can give it a leap forward uh, to a better study of uh, these issues uh, and mind you again this myth ritual study or myth study within the contemporary western academics itself is not limited to the study of primitives uh, contemporary novels has be, have been studied as no, uh, myths contemporary human life has been studied as rituals and myth ritual relationship within anthropology has not been limited to just the study of uh, primitive myths and primitive rituals uh, most of the contemporary european studies have got uh, studies of contemporary movies contemporary uh, life and all that using these uh, categories like myth ritual relationship myth ritual analysis and all that so uh, uh, when we say that vedic approach gives you that kind of uh, leap from the present uh, uh, cultural anthropological uh, foundations uh, to a better understanding it does not mean that we are going to have a better understanding of uh, whom evolutionist anthropology called as primitive people alone uh, from the developments within the contemporary studies itself we are able to see that that kind of analysis through joseph campbell kind of studies or any other such uh, similar studies of how 
myth continues in the contemporary society ritual continues in the contemporary societies you are able to bring that analysis to the study of contemporary world corporate world political world and all that also and if you go to things like uh, issues that are studied by sociologists uh, anthropology and sociology uh, almost cover some common areas like uh, family marriage systems kinship uh, and there are many sociological issues that are common between anthropology and sociology and for that kind of a study of uh, society at on the one hand we are able to show that uh, similar rigorous study of society in the form of identifying various marriage systems identifying various uh, uh, family systems analyzing kinship uh, ideas all that already existed in the vedic system but uh, as i already told you by doing what probably our uh, predecessors in vedic studies have not done we can show the connections of all these issues for example with uh, how a jiva is defined in the vedic system how nara human is defined as part of other bhutani and uh, how uh, the animate nature or inanimate nature or super animate nature of human is defined in this system so uh, how human is defined basically what is the definition of human being within the vedic system and all that we are able to show that the foundations of a vedic understanding of human human groups uh, uh, how groups interact with each other individuals of a group interact with each other how uh, the vedic system provides the foundations of that kind of understanding say for example from psychology and let me repeat this psychology and anthropology connection psychology and sociology connection is already happening in the so called interdisciplinary multidisciplinary departments i have seen at chicago when i was uh, uh, teaching at chicago i saw that uh, there is a department in the university of chicago which is a combination of anthropology and psychology they call it uh, i think uh, something like uh, uh, human and personality department Uh, human and personality studies department which is a combination of anthropology and psychology so this we already have these connections is already there so by looking at the psychological foundations uh, say from the vedantic yogic ayurvedic and all the various shastras that dealt with the uh, psychological aspects of human uh, we can come to the foundations of uh, anthropology and sociology and revolutionize the present anthropological and sociological understanding of group interactions and uh, issues like crime and crime control reformation deviance uh, suicidal tendencies all these things which have been studied by sociologists uh, the foundations that are provided in the vedic uh, shastras that dealt with these Uh, we can bring in uh, you may ask me why uh, such kind of study has not been done by uh, the vedic uh, scholars shastrik scholars earlier uh, that we are now able to do it see the question is uh, is always 
the problem that you address if you are facing a problem say for example uh, of uh, reforming a criminal uh, or uh, helping a person with a suicidal tendency uh, whether you can help that person uh, of a suicidal tendency from a yogic exercise or ayurvedic exercise or uh, a vedantic uh, exercise or through what kind of a counseling you can help him if you took it up when you see that you have a certain shastra which is already coming to use for you you would not be guided uh, by uh, the kind of questions that are addressed by the contemporary society in the society which existed earlier so the problem raising itself or the uh, method of addressing the problem itself in the pre-modern uh, indian society uh, was guided by the pre-modern indian culture so uh, if we are addressing the same questions from a different uh, uh, perspective starting from a different origin addressing a different goal and all that it is because the present in the uh, present world society present global society itself is uh, governed by cultural foundations which are different from uh, the pre-modern uh, indic society e, there is uh, no use uh, blaming or praising the present cultural foundations they are what they are they are there they are they exist they uh, uh, are given for us now because these are different we are compelled to uh, re-engineer the existing vedic knowledge or existing indic knowledge in such a way that we address the present uh, problems uh, in the way the present human is uh, addressing them the, uh, the way present uh, human is facing them and asking us to address so from that perspective if uh, we are able to show uh, that Vedic system and Indic system of uh, analyzing the issues, if not from uh, the labels of anthropology or sociology or economics or history or any of these conventional university academic disciplinary uh, taxonomies, but from knowledge areas, from the perspective of uh, problem areas, from the perspective of uh, uh, human questions, uh, that are addressed today, then we would not only be helping the Indian society, we'd be helping the whole world society, we'll be helping the whole global society by providing answers that have not been provided from the existing uh, academic pursuits all over the world. And uh, uh, before I come to the concluding uh, part of what I want to say today, uh, another uh, wall compartmentalization that we are breaking in uh, uh, this kind of a new uh, knowledge area building uh, or academic disciplinary building is the difference between the skill and the knowledge area also is what we are breaking. For example, uh, very interestingly, very strangely, the departments of public administration all over the world have been academic departments. Governance, for example, the issue that uh, I told you is a trigger for all these series of talks. 
uh, is addressed by public administration departments. It has been a, uh, an academic department. It is not a professional course. We do not, for example, have an MPA, Master of Public Administration course, which is very similar to MBA, Master of Business Administration. Whereas MBA is a uh, practical course, professional course. M, there is no such MBA. There is no such uh, Master of Public Administration course. In France, bureaucracy training is uh, 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 part of bureaucracy recruitment. So there they have a practical course of bureaucracy training. But in India, bureaucracy recruitment happens through a competitive examination. And uh, people are tested for general awareness, current affairs awareness, and all that. And they are directly taken into uh, the bureaucracy. And public administration courses or MA public administration, they uh, hang differently into a university system. They, there is no coherence or connection established between the practical aspects of uh, administration, leadership, and the theoretical understanding that is provided in these academic departments of the universities. Uh, whereas uh, our program, our plan under Indic Knowledge Systems uh, program of Indic Academy is uh, to uh, have a cycling between the practical aspects of uh, actual skills of governance, actual skills of administration and the theorization uh, uh, from the practical leadership to the leadership theory and that kind of a cycling of uh, uh, knowledge base, uh, knowledge uh, data, uh, abstraction, taxonomy, all that uh, uh, is the idea. And for that, the philosophical foundations, the theoretical foundations uh, are intended to be uh, drawn from the Vedic foundations. Same thing with other areas also, law and ethics or environmental studies or aesthetic studies, everywhere. Uh, the demand today at uh, all the academic institutes is not to be purely theoretical. That is the basic problem we are able to see at many universities. The students are uh, no longer happy with the existing courses. They come back repeatedly saying, okay, what do I do with this? Uh, so this whole uh, clapping inside a seminar hall saying that I brought a revolution of uh, analysis of a particular problem inside my seminar room and uh, uh, enjoying in a, um, a paradise uh, of uh, uh, scholars that, okay, I'm happy analyzing the problem uh, without actually uh, showing or realizing in what way that is going to be uh, professionally useful or practically useful, um, it is no longer attractive. It is no longer being received by students. So uh, the kind of uh, inquiry, the kind of activity, the kind of teaching that we intend to do under the Indic knowledge systems of uh, humanities and social sciences area here is uh, also breaking the wall between theory and practice. Uh, that is uh, pure skill courses and pure theory courses, pure academic courses and pure professional courses. Uh, so uh, the intention is to make all these courses as uh, professional come academic courses, practical come theoretical 
courses and uh, establish a connection between theory and practice through uh, abstraction of uh, practice into theory and application of theory into practice while going into the deep foundations uh, where these uh, academic uh, disciplinary boundaries uh, uh, do not actually exist. Uh, they, they all come into existence only uh, because of our specific problems of uh, inquiry that uh, we are addressing. Okay. So with this, I think... Uh, 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 there are a couple of questions. Yeah, please. Yes, yes. So I will read out the first few and then afterwards it will open it to others and yeah. directly ask them. So the first question was by, uh, let's say, uh, J, uh, is, uh, J, J or J, uh, G, um, doesn't calling some of our own stories, Puranas, Itihasa, etc. as mythology itself disparage Indic knowledge? Uh, see, uh, this you have to, uh, whoever has asked the question has to uh, get into what is called as semantics. Uh, these words like uh, myth and mythology uh, have undergone a lot of semantic engineering, conscious engineering. Uh, and also these uh, words uh, in course of semantic change, in the course of uh, language change, in natural language history, have undergone uh, some ch uh, changes. These words by themselves do not carry any pejorative or negative meaning. So uh, if you want to, uh, if you are under the impression that uh, by calling Itihasas and Puranas as mythology, uh, we are, uh, okay, uh, most of the times this comes from uh, the belief that uh, Itihasas and Puranas are actual histories and mythology is not history. So, uh, uh, calling Itihasas and Puranas as uh, mythologies is not making it history. That is why uh, it is bad. So, if you are coming from there, I would like to tell you that uh, we are, in this approach here, we are critiquing the very category of history. Uh, we are uh, analyzing uh, very different ways of looking at the past. History is as uh, only one way of looking at the past. Okay, uh, so mythology or mythological way of looking at the past is also a valid way of looking at the past. That's a different thing. And how the knowledge of myths can be a uh, competitively different way of looking at uh, uh, knowledge or truth. Uh, you probably need to attend uh, courses on myth analysis or mythology analysis based on various philosophical understandings that we have got from the West and the Vedic system also. Okay. Yeah. The second question is by Kanchan Gogateji. Can we have Indic framework for literature analysis, not linguistic or grammatical aspects? Uh, yeah. Uh, That's what Alankara is about? Alankara yeah, Shastra. Alankara Shastra is uh, Indic uh, approach to literature only. Uh, but you have anything else in your mind uh, than uh, uh, Alankara Shastra being Indic approach to 
literature analysis you have any uh, better specific question about that anchan ji i think she has to be unmuted by the host or herself no no she she can unmute uh can you hear me now is it audible yeah yeah, yeah. you are audible yeah. yeah yeah so it was regarding actually i am doing my phd so where i am doing intertextuality it is my in my second question i have put it so mm-hmm. intertextuality so intertextuality that very concept when i read it's a western semantic concept but mm-hmm. i found it the foundation to be very very indict of course they have not attributed it it could be the parallel which only i can find out i am echoing but uh, like our sanskrit saying that goes that ekam sat bahuda vipra vadanti so our very methodology our darshanas are intertextual i feel so uh, i just wanted to find out some parallels of intertextuality and indic uh, framework on literary criticism yeah okay so basically alankara shastra uh, has a theorization uh, of uh, the approach to literature in the indic uh, tradition but uh, talking about intertextuality actually it is not of much use quoting things like ekam satvitraha bahudavadanti kind of uh, high level philosophical statements uh, by high level i don't uh, say they are very great or something like that superficial at the top level uh, analysis it is uh, better to show uh, uh, talk about concepts like ekavakyata there is a, a, a concept called ekavakyata and uh, how ekavakyata uh, is based on uh, a cultural group for example uh, is there ekavakyata between puranas and vedas that is intertextuality uh, so the veda purana uh, ekavakyata that is uh, the uh, same idea being talked about in two different ways through vedas and puranas there that kind of uh, intertextual analysis is being done uh, in the indic tradition so we have to go to those rigorous uh, tools of intertextual analysis that have already been employed in the indic tradition to be able to show how intertextuality uh, already had uh, indic foundations and second thing we need to do is to show how ekavakyata is a better concept than the available western intertextual analysis concepts uh okay so one example ekavakyata is one example of intertextuality analysis available in the indic tradition so the approach that we want to take in this series of talks is to also show how we can contribute to the global uh knowledge systems uh and uh, improve them further to solve their existing problems not only claim that we already have we already have uh we want to show that they are better they are more helpful they are able to solve the problems yes next next question please Uh, just one one thing uh, nagraj ji are we going to have uh, throw any light on artha sangraha also so uh... artha sangraha is a mimamsa text uh mimamsa is an interpretative field uh, hermeneutics field 
in the present series of talks uh, we uh, may not be able to cover akasangraha uh, as such but uh, when we start full fledged courses on all the uh, different social sciences and humanities uh, knowledge areas that we are going to establish yes uh, at least a basic introduction to akasangraha will be provided uh, a couple of practical questions uh, by anirudh Naveen, um, are Indian universities conducive for carrying out historical research using an Indic approach, or as is purported by some, does the exalted position accorded to Marxist historiography act as a barrier to carrying out such research? I'm inquiring as an 18-year-old just embarking on this path and considering your experience, would bless to get your perspective. Yeah, as many claim that studying abroad is a more viable option. Uh, uh, one thing we uh, can do, uh, Anirudhji, is uh, that we can uh, actually uh, we have an advantage uh, of what is called as postmodern studies today. Um, it is these postmodern studies which have which have uh, uprooted uh, or uh, unsettled the foundations of uh, the existing. what is called as modernity marxism is a modern paradigm you know and uh, so such modern foundations of marxism can be questioned uh, from for example from post marxism post structuralism and uh, while using these tools post modern tools uh, which are very useful in giving a leap to the uh, present understanding of looking at the past uh we can uh, actually make uh, uh, present university academics realize uh, the value of looking uh, alternative ways of looking at the past through uh, indic ways of looking at the past so for that uh, hard work is needed we uh, uh, cannot simply uh, sit back and say Uh, okay, I have my Shivaji story, which is a good story. You are not believing; I would believe, and all that. But we have to go to the philosophical foundations of what is history, how the very paradigm of history uh, came into existence, and how we can unsettle the uh, foundations of the very category of history. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, next question, please. Um. Yeah. So. Basically, another uh, Soumya ji is pl planning to pursue PhD in South Asian studies and want to know how the resources and options uh, respect is in India versus US, US, US Germany, UK, etc. How much uh, respect does a degree from a place like MIT, Harvard, etc. Um, provide versus programs in India? In these, uh, so if they want to do some work in this kind of an area. Mm. i probably could not understand the question properly but uh, the uh, if the question is uh, whether uh, 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 the degrees from some uh, highly ranked global uh, universities uh, are required uh, for this kind of understanding this kind of uh, ics now indic knowledge systems uh, and all that uh, i don't think uh, presently uh, that is a possibility uh, presently 
the studies of uh, all these issues uh, or uh, do not even exist uh, in the western universities uh, where uh, let me uh, try to articulate uh, my answer a little better there is a western university studying governance for example and there is a western university probably the same university studying indology or sanskrit studies the indology uh, department of say harvard or sanskrit studies department of harvard how much this particular harvard university uh, indology department is helping the governance studying department of harvard university uh, by providing the foundations uh, of governance ideas within vedic system uh, if, if that is the question absolutely zero they are not doing that all that the present indology or sanskrit studies departments of universities like harvard cornell uh, columbia are uh, doing is uh, they are thinking that by uh, studying indian past indian history they are helping uh, the uh, governance studying departments or history studying departments of uh, their universities to study one particular part of the world in, uh, called india and uh, how uh, their international studies or strategic studies or uh, you know political movements can be helped by understanding the present indian society on the basis of past indian society uh, and all that that can be helped by uh, indology or sanskrit studies that's what they are doing they are not actually uh, i see that some of them uh, nowadays are trying to see how much of their uh, indological or uh, sanskrit studies uh, knowledge of say for example um, rasa shastra will be helpful for bettering the aesthetics understanding of uh, uh, the western society they are now very recently some 5 years 6 years ago they started that kind of uh, study of usefulness of uh, uh, south asian knowledge for the other departments of the universities otherwise uh, such a thing has not happened so uh, your degrees if, if you want to get a, a degree Uh, from the west uh, then uh, for, for what purpose you want to get a degree from a western university is all uh, left to you uh, but uh, such a the, the kind of course that we are trying to offer through these uh, series of talks i don't think they offer they, it is not available if okay. i have answered your question correctly or not i, I do not know I, if that was your question at all or not is also not clear that was really superb nagarajji and yes you are right they don't offer the opportunity to bring uh indicology or vedic studies into various other like there's no collaboration yeah i agree um i was i guess i was wondering you know what the i'll i'll, I'll discuss this with you later i have yeah. your i'm i'm in your other programs as well yeah okay so yeah with that i think uh, we will conclude for today we are little beyond time and uh, we'll um, 
so what would be our next topic um, for the benefit of the participants next week? Uh, uh, let us start with uh, uh, ethics and aesthetics, law and ethics and uh, beauty and bliss. Okay. Ethics and aesthetics. So we'll meet again the same time next Saturday, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Indian Standard Time. Thank you so much. No, no. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank so you, much. Sir. Very helpful.